Welcome aboard the Gamer Ship. I am your host, Captain Z. I'm Cy. And I'm Chris. And tonight we will be doing a review of Arcane, the Netflix show based off of the game League of Legends. It's good to have Cy and Chris back. It's been a long ass time. It's been some time, dude. Yeah. Sai's got his uh size recording straight from Miami Vice over there with the sweet new setup. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, both of you have moved during during this time span of uh of your last appearances. During the break, my office nice. is only like half set up. I got a lot of boxes behind me. Yeah. Work in progress though. Yeah, I tossed all my crap into that closet over there before this <laughs> podcast. So uh I'm right there with you. Looking clean though. Crisp. Oh. Been a long time coming, and I, I like to wear graphic tees for the occasion. And I've got my Godzilla ramen shirt because I feel like things are going to get extra spicy in this episode. We're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to give our general opinions of the show, maybe analyze some of the themes about it, the tie ins to the game. Should be a fun one. I feel like. If you were to put me on the spectrum, I'm on the far end where I feel like this was just a masterpiece. I, I really don't have anything negative to say, and I know that I'm probably the only one here that's just so like so fan-stricken by it. But honestly, I think it in, in the general consensus, I think it's just a masterpiece. You don't have to have a a knowledge of the game to enjoy the show. Plenty of my friends have never played the game, know absolutely nothing about the game, and they, they thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good watch for them. And just a forewarning, this will be an episode with spoilers, because we are going to be talking a lot about what happens in the show. So if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it before you play this. I encourage everyone to, to watch it. It's, it's really good. I'm gonna pass it off to you guys. What's what's your what's your take? I may not say it's a masterpiece, but I will say it's close. Now, it makes me very happy to hear that you enjoyed it so much after you've been away from the game for a long time, and you know I still miss your presence on the rift. Come back anytime, buddy. I'm glad you're able to find like such immense joy from the show because it's such a good ride. And if you know the, the game, you get so much more out of it. Um, but like you said, if you don't know the game, it's still a great watch. It's an easy-to-follow plot and premise. And aesthetically, it's phenomenal. You know, from an artwork and an animation execution standpoint, I will agree to the masterpiece accolade, because it is... Just absolutely stunning to witness. I, I will, I will second what Chris said. Um, I don't think it's a masterpiece quite yet because the story's not finished, right? Um, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, the jury's still out on that. I think. Um, I think what happens to the story, how it's told, um, what happens to the characters, and how it all unfolds. Uh, I think that's what's going to probably keep it or push it into a masterpiece kind of level for me. Cause um, the trick with the show is if you've been a fan of the game or if you've played the game at all in these 10 years, since the show like 
came out, right? Uh, you know all these characters. You you know their lore. Like if you're if you're if you're a fan of Victor, if you're a fan of Jace, if you're a fan of Heimerdinger, you know you know the characters' lore. Like you know you know their stories already and everything, right? But seeing everything unfold and play out, uh, as a fan of the game, it was it was everything that I've wanted. Like uh, just seeing everything play out, the seeing the characters have dialogue and. Uh, emotions and everything was amazing now for uh, as some of my friends and people who are close to me who haven't played the game whatsoever and they watched it they they lumped it up into the same category as avatar the last airbender they were like this animation and storytelling is great and it's captivating enough for them to like want to know what's going to come next right and i think um that for these people who aren't fans of Riot Games to feel that way about a show speaks to the show and its writing and its art style and its music direction all in itself. And I have to applaud them for it. Yeah. I was a little worried that it would be too fan focused, but I think they did do a good job. Even I confess, I was a little thrown off by like that style of animation. I think maybe I just probably got used to it by like episode three. I'd say if you're kind of like, you know, on the fence about it, I'd say you have to at least get to the third episode. I think things start to get a, like much deeper. The story really starts to progress a lot by episode three. So just keep that in mind, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know how you guys watched it. I approached the show as like, more of three movies than nine episodes mm. one because like that's how it was kind of released in the quote-unquote acts and it's you know a couple of episodes and they're relatively long like 45 to 50 minutes or something like that i don't really know why i split it up in such a way um because the episodes got a little formulaic in my mind um, but I suppose it made it a little bit more approachable to consume for someone who was not super excited about it like I was, where, like, I made, uh, an event of it every week, you know, it was like, turn off all the lights, I got my pizza, my candy, my Mountain Dew, sit down, like, I am devoting two hours to this tonight, it's gonna be great, mm -hmm. so I was, like, super engaged through the whole thing. Um, but to Sai's point, and I hadn't considered it, but your point about it's, you know, the legacy it lives on with is going to be tied to how good the second season is. Because it was, you know, every act ended with a pretty good um, cliffhanger. First one was like kind of nicely in a bow with a good transitionary point. And then the end of Act 2 was a little bit more of a cliffhanger. But the end of Act 3, I'm like, wow, you really decided to resolve nothing and mm. end on an event that was probably going to throw the entire nations into anarchy. Um, bold. Bold choice. Um, I have faith, though. Um, as long as they're able to maintain the level of excellence they're at. I don't remember 
how long the show was in production for, but it was a long time. It's a very long time. Six years. Six years. Now, I guess a lot of like the pre-production stuff doesn't need to be redone, and hopefully they've got the same team and they know how they're working now because the next one's supposed to come out sometime next year, supposedly. I hope yeah. it's not another six years. I mean, will I still be playing league by then? Probably off and on, as I've been doing now. Uh, but man, that's going to be a hard time to wait and then to carry on talking uh, <laughs> to move us up to the other point. The um, since I don't play with character voices, I've never really gotten the interactions the characters have in the game together. And oh. it wasn't until, you know, they're in the world that they're talking like, oh, they're having this conversation. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, since <laughs> I, you brought it up, there, there were some that I wanted to point out. Um, one, one thing that a lot of people are questioning is... A lot of people are questioning whether or not Vander is going to be Warwick. And it, to me, it's kind of obvious that he is. I think I'm like 90% certain. And even the in-game interaction between Warwick and Vi, he has Vi, who taught you to punch like that, is one of his lines. I think, <laughs> I think that, one is, that one's in the books. I I want to lean on the side that yeah I think it's Warwick like Vander Vander like in some way shape or form his body will be used to be turned into Warwick. Uh, the physique seems about right or at least his torso and his legs right and like Warwick's like rework he was like this amalgamation of a bunch of different monsters and creatures that Singe yep. put together right. Um, and I can see Singe doing that right because that's that's just like his type of character. Um, but with that being said, uh, the, whenever Jinx had her little bit of manic episodes and like Vander was involved in those scenes, uh, she always pictured him, uh, with like this purple face and it, to me, it looked more like Mundo. Um, and, uh, it, it, it that was one that's not as popular as the Warwick one. Um, because Warwick of course has his lines and games and everything. And that's, uh, that's where a lot of fans are like leading to. Um, but, uh, all of the episodes that Jinx had where she was, like, talking to, like, uh, Vander or, like, the doll of Vander or something, um, it showed, like, a face similar to Mundo, and it was, it was a little creepy to me, um, because I know Mundo is also of Zaun, so I'm curious to know, like, how he's gonna be tied in there, because he's another fairly prolific character in, like, League history, um, and I'm wondering how they're going to incorporate him into the show. When they redid Mundo with his rework and such, um, did they change his lore? Is he still Dr. Mundo? Or is he just Mundo now? He's Dr. Mundo. Mm. Um, did anyone catch um, that it was singed before it was revealed? Were you one of those subtitle people who had it? Wait. I didn't see the subtitle, but when I saw him, I was like, I fucking hope that's cinched. <laughs> like, like it, the, the was, physique and everything kind of stood out to me. I was like, that looks awfully a lot like cinched. Could be wrong, but... We yeah. had subtitles on, so I, I found out it was cinched, and I was just like, oh, yeah! 
Uh, I was just like, someone else from the game is in the show. Uh, <laughs> like that was that was like a whole act one. Like for me, it was just like I want to know like all the characters from the game that's in the show, right? And then like um, Vi's and crew. Victor. Oh yeah, yeah, Victor. When Victor introduced himself, it's like, hey, yeah. Victor. I've never seen him without his armor stuff on. Yeah, right. It was, it was really, it was really, really cool. But I remember when uh, the opening scenes in like the very first episode, he saw Vi's crew, and I was just like, "Who are all of you? Like, I mm-hmm. don't know any of you. Why are you in this show? I don't care about <laughs> you. Like, give me, give me content of my characters." And then, as like that first episode went along, I was just like maybe they're going to be characters in League of Legends later. Like, that was, like, my hope, right? Um, Soko and TFT next patch. Oh, I'm actually kind of excited about that. There's a lot of memes about him just, like, smooth-talking his way to kill units, and I'm just like, yes, I want that to happen. Like, I just want the voice actor to just have as many lines as possible, and then, like, he just talks units to death. Silco is hands down my favorite character in the show. Wait, wait, wait. What was that? Silco is hands down my favorite character in the show. Okay, okay. I hands thought you down. said wasn't, and I was just—I oh, no, like, was about to throw—I was about to throw down, man. And I was just like, he, oh, hold up. And I have to compliment the writers of the show too because they hooked him up with so many good lines. There are just some amazing lines coming from him, but he is just—he is just like mafia boss to the next level. He is just supreme badass, in my opinion. And there's going to be like a lot of. A lot of scenes where I just I'm gonna have to bring up later on when we go through it, but yeah, Silco, he um is badass. Credit to the writers, just like you. Hated him first act. It's like ah, oh, so vile. Cool design. Like I was mm. into this, like whatever his eye condition thing was. By the end of Act Three, I'm like, this guy's phenomenal. Love yep. this character. Like such a real kind of conflict especially inside with the relationship with jinx that developed that was fascinating to watch his opinions on like how he thinks zon should be run to combat and overcome the piltover people like where their place was relative to them that was an interesting dynamic and how that didn't play well with like the other chemtech barons who each of them was also really cool design-wise. Kind of sad to see that one um, Yakuza guy get killed off because, like, oh, wow, that design was legit. <laughs> but Silco himself was wonderful. And the voice mm-hmm. acting. Oh, the performance for him in particular was really nice. Dude, specifically that scene that we were talking about when that uh, Yakuza-looking character dies. Like, Silco didn't even know that, that his henchman was, like, on his side on that scene. And, like, he he just kept the facade up the entire time. And, like, he was bluffing the entire time because he didn't know. I loved that scene. Uh, for instance, I finished that episode uh, today. Um, and uh, when I got to that scene, I, like, dropped what I was doing for work. And I just sat here with my second screen on and I was watching it. And I watched the scene, I rewound it like two or three times just to watch it play over and over. And I was like, the amount of emotions that they put in each frame for Silco's character after like that guy died was phenomenal. 
I mm. loved it. That is one of the things that has made this show stand out in its animation expertise is for every character. The amount of unspoken communication on what the characters are going through, which is normally something you only get in live action because of all the intricacies that's going on. But man, the the way the characters spoke through like their eyebrows or how they were like holding like either terse lips or furrowing their brow, things like that. So many subtle cues that were just awesome. Yeah, the non the nonverbal language was I think one of the best that I've seen in an animated show in my entire life. Like I haven't seen nonverbal language like that animated within frames, like in between conversations. Cause like most of the time um i i know this group is fairly comfortable with like watching anime right like um most of the time in conversations it's only one person's face reacting and then you pan over to the next character and then their face is reacting something about western um animation is like they try to animate both so you can see like the reactions to and from conversations but most of the time it doesn't hit like if something feels off or weird about it but in arcane it it felt like an actual conversation. Like you could see like Caitlin and Vi's like uh, when they first go into, um, uh, into Zon, uh, uh, their way that Vi treats like uh, the guy who's uh, making the food and everything. Uh, and Caitlin's like reactions to like, why are we still here? Like uh, the nonverbal cues and everything. It was, it was just so much fun to watch. Like there was so much eye candy uh, in, in like each episode. Not only, um, not only the nonverbal communication, and they they took a lot of time to make sure that even the characters reacted in such an appropriate way. And you've got all these actual real life psychologists that made YouTube content over this show and actually broke down, you know, all of these complicated character ties and how they reacted in certain situations that's just fucking amazing the fact that you know they took the time for every single step of the way and made sure that every character was realistically acting appropriately as if it was just acted out in real life you know or it's 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 really incredible in my opinion so i know we're i know we're We've got so much to talk about, and I know we're throwing out all these awesome scenes, and I know, Chris, you mentioned conflict, and that's actually a big reoccurring theme throughout the show. Um, let's let's kind of ease our way into to episode one, kind of make our way maybe through like the first act, like one through three, and just maybe like talk on on some things that jump out to us. And you've got, you know, essentially the introduction of, of the characters, Vine and her crew, Powder, who is later, you know, to become Jinx. You've got Vander and his situation where he's trying to keep the peace between... Um, I'm just going to refer to the Undercity as Zaun, even though it's not just there yet. I'm just going to, for um, for simplicity, I'm just going to refer to it as Zaun. Basically trying to keep the peace between Zaun and, and Piltover. And... There, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on, even in the first few episodes. Um, 
I think one of the big things that they uh, that some people are talking about that really makes shit real in a in a hurry is the actual um, kind of like child violence that goes on in um, I think it's probably at the end of maybe the third episode. Whatever. And dying. I don't have, you know, huh? What is it? When everyone's dying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's like um, some people use it kind of maybe in a cheap fashion, but I think this, you know, really ties into the character development, and it really there, there's a lot of meaning into it they just didn't do it as like an or to get like a reaction or something from from the audience it was um i think it was really good and you know to be honest i think like the first three episodes they're kind of setting stuff up so not like a lot of things jump out at me during this time because they're just kind of like introducing the characters um the big thing is that you know vander we know that vander dies we're kind of talking about you know if he was war worker and soon to be warwick or not i think he is his body is fucking hanging behind singe for fuck's sake like come on man like all the pieces are are in place here for that to happen and you've got um kind of at the end i i think i'll i'll let chris talk a little bit on this because it's one thing we've had our our side talks about it and one thing that you didn't like is kind of the quick transition between powder being like so angry at vi that she's just like she's not my sister anymore and they you know they end that scene with her um with them going into this time jump you know where they, she's much older going into like episode four I, I what do you think about that it's um a bit quick and that was like when i first watched it i was so hyped with the show 100 percent up until that last minute or two. I was just like, wow, that was abrupt. Like, yeah, I know your sister hit you, but that's enough for you to say, no, we're not family anymore. I'm going to run into the arms of this guy. <laughs> like, what's going on? I know you're in, like, a weakened mental state, which I also felt, I thought they did a great job in handling the visualization of her manic episodes. Mm -hmm. But it did just slightly ramp up a little fast there as well. You saw like tiny tidbits of how she was going to react. Um, but I just didn't feel like it was quite enough to show how stable she was. It's like we only really saw it in episode three. Um, where it was executed very well, and now she's off doing, you know, she goes to venture forth to help everyone and ends up ruining everything and killing a lot of her friends in the process. I was hoping, or like maybe at the beginning of Act 2, they'll kind of smooth it out. They did a little bit. You got to get uh, a little bit more time allotted to understanding the mentality of the characters as they went through those moments. But while the moments themselves were happening, it just seemed a little too quick. And pacing-wise, pacing is the main thing that I have a gripe with with the rest of the season as well. Things happen, and I'm like, 
is it the same day? Is it next week? <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> yeah, the concept of time throughout the show. Did you guys, are you, Jace, are you that smart that this brand new technology, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, yeah, that's what it needed. This arrangement, like. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. we're chasing everyone through the streets like, really, Jace? Five hours. Wow. Impressive start. <laughs> and you're like the lead political guy. Like, no, nah, man, that was that was that was all Victor, man. Like Jace couldn't figure it out until Victor came onto the scene. Victor's the brains, man. Jace just had all the material. And like I I guess Heimerdinger did kind of make a top out of like three pieces of junk in two seconds for a little <laughs> kid at the end. So maybe in this world, like People really are just that bright. <laughs> well, I think they they don't really call it out. They give you kind of like little hints. Like, for example, the first, I think it's episode four, when he's actually talking to Heimer, they kind of hint at the fact that, um, or like whenever he actually, you know, creates the Hextech technology. They, right? Yeah, and they... You know, they're having that conversation and he's like, oh, your Hextech technology has helped us up so much, blah, blah, blah. And they talk about, you know, all these accomplishments and everything that's happened. So they hint at like a time jump. But like, I get where you're coming from. They don't really outline. They don't give you the nice little text at the bottom. It's like, hey, maybe five years later, two years later, whatever it is, you know, well, they, um, they just kind of insinuate or whatever. But there's definitely your, a lot to grow up. Yeah. But to your point with with Jinx and how or Powder at the time and how she acts. I just kind of chalk it up to a, a whole lot of emotional trauma, like pent up since her childhood. I mean, the opening scene is them, her and Vi legit walking, you know, holding hands together and there's fucking dead people everywhere. Like this is right, you know, in the middle of the first invasion not really like invasion, but like the first like battle or whatever that Piltover had sending their enforcers to Zon and they had this whole scrap and was there's fucking dead people like just littering the streets, you know, her her family is, is yeah. dead in front of her. There's I mean that alone is enough to fuck someone up, you know, like you know, emotionally and mentally. So there's that, there's the whole there's the whole thing with her not being accepted into her crew, always trying to prove herself when she's not the same age and being told, oh, you're not fucking good enough. You know, you're, you're a jinx on every mission. All this stuff is just building up. You know what I mean? So, and another thing to keep in mind, that's kind of just a small snapshot in time. Perhaps after they left, maybe she thought like, oh, maybe I was a little too quick with Vi. You know, maybe I'm going to go try to find her. You don't know what Silco said to her after they left. Maybe he already from the get-go started molding her and be like, no, you know, fuck her. She, you know, she left you and he, he could have played a big part in just having her quickly forget about Vi and moving on. You know what I mean? That is, that is something I would have liked to have seen earlier. Um, but maybe that would have given Silco too much too soon within the greater narrative. Because mm -hmm. we, we see bits of that um, when, like, he's trying to shield 
her for knowing buys back. Um, but her reaction to those to those scenes, like confronting him, were awesome. Those are phenomenal yeah. scenes. Um, but maybe it would make Silk out to be too bad if we saw too much of like intentional manipulation to that degree so soon. Um, yeah. I will, I will, I will, I will play the devil's advocate here because I have talked to a lot of people who are not League of Legends players or have played League at all. And, um, when they were watching the show, they thought the pacing was actually really good. Like, it, it like kept stringing them on, right? I think we are biased a little bit because we want to see how everything unfolds. Uh, how everything unfolded right because we already know what's going to be the end result of these characters because league of legends the game takes place much further ahead than where the show actually is right mm -hmm. um and i think that's one of the reasons why we love the show so much is just because it's like there's so many interesting things that we're learning of in the depths of all these characters right and so we want it to flesh out but for the common watcher who knows nothing about these characters, they were just like, oh, dude, drama, 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 drama. I want to know more. I want to see what comes next. So to them, they were like, the pacing is brilliant. Like, they loved it. Uh, with the exception, uh, there, were, there was a common theme with a couple of them on the second act, and I, I will bring it up when we get there, uh, about the pacing being a little off. But for the 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 story arc of Vi and Jinx, they were like, the pacing was great. Like they they were hooked, right? And they were just dragged along and they wanted to see what comes next. For us though, yeah. who know exactly their relationship prior to watching the show, when we got there, we we're like, oh, we wanted to see more, you know? I wanted to see how it actually unfolded. I wanted to see more of the conversations and dialogues of how everything played out. And I guess it's a blessing and a curse for us because <laughs> like we love we love these characters so much and uh, we want to see more screen time of them. We want to see it fleshed out more. And it's just it's not just what's going to be because they have to make this show for everyone. So it kind of sucks for us. And I'm definitely biased towards Jinx. Like ever since she was released on the Rift. Man, like, oh, we know. <laughs> one of my favorite league champs. So. I, I was going through a lot of the show being like, oh man, I wish that scene was like a minute longer. Dude, I'm I'm the same way with Vi. Like I when as soon as I heard Haley Steinfeld voice Vi, I was like, this is wrong. This isn't my character. This isn't my character that I've just terrorized people in the jungle with for years. Like, this isn't her. This isn't the same voice actress. This isn't my character. I was upset. And then probably like uh, midway through season two, when like Vi grows up a little bit and like she, uh, uh, like the character felt a bit more fleshed out, I was like, okay, I'm I'm fine with this voice actress. I got over it. Um, so I'm I'm right there with you. Like I'm very defensive about certain characters in the show. I think it's Mia Sinclair Janice or something like that. The voice um, actor for Powder. Uh, shout out to that. I think she did a phenomenal job. Powder was very well acted. Um, and we never talked about Little Man. Little, little Echo. Well, but he wasn't in it very much, at least in the first act. But the voice actor who did um, 
childhood echo also did really great i loved that character dude he did better than adult echo in in my book Uh, i'm i'm hella biased because dante basco voices echo in league of legends and when they didn't bring him on board for like the older version of echo uh i that's another thing i I, i'm very biased towards voice actors and when they didn't bring him in i wanted to flip a table like i was rioting (laughs) uh on my couch while watching that show and he spoke for the first time i was like no that's not him um it took me the longest time yeah, it took me a bit, but yeah, the voice acting in the show is great, uh, specifically because um, uh, he's not really brought up anymore before we move on into Act 2, Vander. I loved his voice actor. The way yeah. that he when, he, when he talked in the bar and he was being all intimidating and you could hear the grit in his voice, I was just like, oh, shit. Is yeah. that Graves? Is that Graves? Yeah. I, I like, yeah. I like, when he, inhaled, <laughs> when he inhaled from that pipe and he was just, and like, you heard the grit in his voice and he's like, is that's not something you want to do? And I was just like, oh man, this guy's really in character. I loved it. I was sold on Vander, which made it so much more difficult for when his character died. Like, I was just, I wanted more of him too. Um, uh, for for like a character that's not part of League of Legends, uh, a, like a playable character and whatnot, I wanted more of him. Like he was he was so fucking cool and badass. You knew that like his history, like everyone respected him, and I wanted to know mm. why. Right? He I think he was the biggest question mark for me, um, as to I why we didn't get to see more of him. At least like more flashbacks, right? Um. As to how he was able to get everyone at the last drop to respect him, you know, like. Well, at the it, very least, you know that he he fought against that kind of piltover invasion or whatever. Yeah, he he definitely he kept he definitely killed a bunch of motherfuckers just with those like Gauntlet. I don't know what they're made out of, but those basically gigantic like brass knucks that he wields around or whatever it is, but um. Yeah, he's probably, aside from that, you know, maybe he's got some history. But yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I think there, there could have been some cool backstory with him. He's definitely a cool character. But yeah, we should move on. Act 2 is a great act. There's a, there's a lot of good points and a lot of good uh, moments in there. Because there weren't a lot of very memorable scenes in Act 1 for me, except like the very end, the last 10 minutes. But once he hit no. Act 2... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, like, and that's why I was saying, like, if you... If you're struggling, just get to the second act and it'll get better. Because even as I was like explaining the first act, I was kind of like, this is sounding kind of lame because it was just nothing that jumped out at me because they're just kind of paving the way, like laying yeah, the foundation for the story. Yeah. You know, definitely some cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's like nothing was like really hype about it. And so you got, you got Progress Day going into the second act. And. You know, some interesting things happen here and i and stop me if i'm jumping too far ahead and guys jump in if there's like something before anything i say here but you know despite jinx kind of stealing the arcane crystal or orb or whatever that that jace made they're trying to sell the the hex tech they're trying to push it past timer dinger trying to set it up now instead of later you've got um 
I just I think the spice gets to when to me the spicy stuff happens when Heimerdinger is voted out of the console council. I think that's like where it really starts to pick up kind of towards the end of of the act, maybe middle to end. Not a lot is kind of jumping out at me at the beginning unless you guys can throw something at me because you know the whole like whole thievery thing happens and they're like oh we gotta find you know whoever stole this they can make a weapon oh that's okay that's a big thing that i'm starting to like refresh my memory so when that happens for the first time they actually add an, an additional seat and they vote jace into the council so that's a big move right that's never been done before they vote him in and i'll go ahead and start this discussion because I know you guys are going to fight me on this, you fucking Jace haters. Insulting my boy Jace. There he is, yeah. Get ready for it, alright? Add the spice. Gotta add the spice. <laughs> Jace is in new territory. The guy comes from a humble family. They basically, you know, like, they make hammers. They, they're kind of like the hardworking class of Piltover. He is a, you know, exceptionally bright person. He comes up with this whole Hextech idea and you know, had his experience with an actual like summoner using the crystal for magic to save his mother at the very beginning of the show. We, we kind of skipped over that, but here we are. It's fine. <laughs> and, you know, whatever. It, it didn't matter until now. And it's it's a new environment for him. He's never done this sort of thing. He's even shocked that it happens at the time. He's just like, whoa, wait, what the fuck? Hold up, you're voting on the console? He's almost like taken back at the fact that, that they're doing it. But it's one of those things, to be fair, like it should happen because Heimerdinger himself is not familiar with the technology. No one else can really speak to it or, you know, explain how we can, how they can defend against it. So... What do you guys think? Anything about that scene or anything prior that I missed? I'm going to I'm going to jump in here because one of my favorite scenes uh was at the very beginning of act 2 was um the firefly lights or whatever their names are uh when they come in on those hoverboards and the design of the characters of all of that when they were fighting Jinx and uh Silco's crew uh on that ship was one of the coolest things like immediately my brain went to this guy is as slick as marty mcfly like the <laughs> hoverboard like yeah for some reason seeing them on a hoverboard brought me immediately to back to the future and i was like that is the coolest thing i have ever seen like it, it immediately brought a smile to my face and i loved it um and also for um uh people who didn't know the league of legends characters and uh watching that scene they were like oh who's this mysterious guy right like he's fighting with the bat but like all diehard league players are like i think that's echo like mm. the green aesthetic and everything that that looks like echo uh and so i got hyped about that to see like little man come back right um and play a bit bigger of a role in the show um uh, and then um after that there was one other scene that i absolutely loved it was when jason victor were working on Hextech and uh, they started floating in the room when they finally unlocked everything mm. and Heimerdinger comes in there and is like, I have to put a stop to this and he opens the room and they're just like floating in air. And 
that little bit of like magic made me think of like Disney magic at first. I was just like, I was literally in awe and wonder at how they animated that scene without making it look very cheesy, which I was very scared that they were going to do with like um, how they were going to explain magic in this world that's like has its laws and physics because we mm-hmm. haven't experienced that yet, right? We just saw an explosion. That's something that we've like, um, or not we've like experienced, but like we can comprehend, right? No, we were there. We were there. So what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like something we can comprehend. It's something that we understood. Uh, but that was like the very first thing that you see that like opens up your imagination a little bit in this world, right? Uh, uh, and you can actually see what magic can actually do. Uh, and that one was very. Uh, I was I was a bit awestruck when I saw that scene, um, and so that one stood out to me prior to like the whole politics of season two un- unfolding. Yeah, that was actually really good, and that wasn't sold. It was Echo until they actually revealed it was Echo. But I did, I confess, I did miss some of the the minor details. Like even when the first time he flies out on the hoverboard, he's got the whole like watch thing. Well, actually, he brings it out even during that scene. He kind of looks at the watch, and for some reason, my brain just didn't like go there. And maybe I was just like so caught up in the scene, it just didn't like it didn't register. But um, I even like the fact that not only did they express you know magic in a cool way, it was just also the the way they showed how unstable it was in the in the wrong hands. Like you had to really know how to handle it, you know. And obviously, you've got all these like explosion scenes, you know, in the from act one and, and and everything else i just think they did a really a really cool job to your point oh, we got chris anything opening scene with uh on the airships i'm a sucker for airships and anything so i immediately was that like, final fantasy like, fanboy coming out right there he's air come from fantasy um and then you know, obviously, Jinx is in the scene. Really cool to like see the playfulness with the swing. Um, it's like, oh, she's still kind of like a child um, in her mindset and how she's viewing the world because she never like shows that she never really grew up past then, um, and how indiscriminate she is in just like attacking everybody, but still mm-hmm. like, wanting to be accepted as a useful team member to go venture off and steal a thing that starts the whole conflict going on i almost feel like she i almost feel like she just cared about silko's opinion and no one else's like i i feel like she doesn't really give a shit about like anyone else you know other than other than silko like she had no regard for that big dude she shot while she's just going off with a rail gun like she doesn't i had to look up this uh this woman's name savika the one that mm. has the metallic arm or the the robotic arm she actually and this is another thing i i missed too like she didn't start out with that this was after the explosion for act one where she got that i just have a feel for her because she gets her ass beat so many times during this show and to her credit she's still around at the end you know like she's she's one tough sob anything else before we kind of get into like the political stuff of, of the second act um for the political stuff well even before that um i guess it could could lead into that talk because uh, act two had a lot of that going on thankfully yep. it didn't hit you over the head with it it kept it light enough 
surface level enough that it's like, oh, I see that it's going on and I see what games are being played here without going like the Gundam Wing route. Where Thank you. Just so <laughs> tired of the politics. God, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> this is another thing on the pacing side of things where um, it kind of threw me off a little bit because Jace gets um, like, well, no, in Act 1 he got kicked out, right? It was in Act 1 that he got kicked out, and then he, like, redeems himself because Victor, like, saves his work. It's like, oh, this is the thing, and then they discover, once they actually get it to work, and we get that beautiful scene, it's just like, oh, that's right. He gets kicked out of the university. Correct. Yeah. And, and then, goes, yeah, and then he shows he goes that, to trial. that scene happens. Yeah. After that scene happens, the university... Damn, it doesn't fucking matter because then he's just like, bitches, I'm oh, here. Man. I don't even need to go to school anymore. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. he's. I run this city. Right, I'm exactly. <laughs> I'm the golden boy. Um, prior to the politics, I will say that Caitlin's character starts coming into the scene and uh, you get to um, see how that unfolds. Like, how. Um, I know all of us who played League, and I'm I'm gonna keep jumping back to this point, but like we already know, like she and Vi partner up in some way, shape, or form, uh, and so like when Caitlyn starts doing her own sleuthing and everything, you knew that she was gonna end up uh, partnering with Vi somehow, um, and so seeing how all that unfolded um, while Jace is dealing with uh, becoming a councilman and whatnot uh, was also very interesting for me. Um, I, I also thought that, like in the in through Act One, that like Jace and Caitlin were going to uh, develop some kind of relationship, and then that hard pivoted real fast. Like I was, I was surprised, like um, that it felt like they were dropping it, leaning towards that direction, and then it hard pivoted. Um, so that, I thought that was an interesting um, direction that they took with uh, how everything played out for Caitlin. Um, but that was. Did you like notice the, only... the age gap, though? Did you catch the age gap between them? What I didn't get it? this. I didn't catch this until the second time I watched it. There's actually a pretty big age gap between uh... Jace and and Caitlyn because if you notice, like how older she looks compared from like the first act, and then until yeah. she gets on the force, you can see like the significant age jump. Keep in mind, Jace already looks like a university he, student yeah right where she looks like a kid still you okay, know what i mean that might be it and then um yeah because he was just yeah like you kind of see it even going further like it's um i i didn't get that at first but it kind of makes sense like i mean hey not saying that like they still couldn't have a thing but there is it might have been, been like a childhood crush or something you know um for for caitlin's character um, but I think that was like the only other thing that happened prior to all the politics uh, in Act Two. I'm I'm trying to like rack my brain if I'm. Well, you anything. well you brought up something else before we get back to the the political stuff because I'm going to go off when we get there and it's going to be great. But let's talk about let's talk about that that Vi and Caitlin hotness. All right, I I can feel the sexual tension throughout this act. Like just get it on already. All right. dude, dude, this 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 was a product. This was a product of all the riot storyboard writers 
um, the artist designers and everything working from home due to COVID. And all of them got hella horny and were just like, you know what? Let's let's make this scene a little spicier. And then they brought it to the producers and they're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And then they were like, oh, they accepted that. Let's push it a little bit further. Like, let's put them in a brothel scene. And then the producers were like, yeah, that's fine. And then somewhere along the way, the producers became do- so disillusioned to like how horny these two characters were and that their employees were that horny that there was a yordle in a gimp suit walking down the middle of the brothel. And I, and I like lost my mind <laughs> when yeah. I saw that scene. It's a true story. That little man waddling by. Yep. <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, though, to be fair, there have been, even if they were just like, even if it was just fan art, the idea that Caitlin and Vi would actually be like a couple or just have a thing has been in the books for like years. Mm. I feel like that's just been a thing. Right just gave us what we wanted to see. I mean, let's just be, let's just be honest. But yeah, there's um there's there's a lot of cool stuff. Like even I I brought up the kind of you know, um psychology analysis of of some of these scenes. Even that scene in the brothel where you can kind of tell even before Caitlyn reveals that she's like into chicks. It's that scene where Vi kind of like puts her arm and kind of like not she doesn't pin her against the wall, but even like she gets like really up, like up close and personal. The way Caitlyn reacts is she doesn't feel awkward. She doesn't like her eyes aren't shifting around like holy shit, like this like this bitch is all up on me. Like she felt perfectly fine in that situation you know she like still like looked her dead in the face and there's a whole fucking skit about it you know like a whole breakdown and i think that's just just going back to our points where like they put so much thought into it you know it's it's such it's such a great thing that they're actually like characters and scenes being evaluated you know yeah they're embracing that um uh the lgbt uh community um and I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there because I was slightly embarrassed by it. I didn't know why in the world Vi called her a cupcake, and it wasn't until someone explained it to me. Uh, Caitlyn's outfit kind of looks like the cupcake wrapper um, mm. uh, that you that uh, like a cupcake is like sitting in when you take it out of a baking pan. And I was just like, oh my god, is that really why? Uh, and that was the only logical explanation that I could come up with because of like Caitlyn's like whole attire and that skirt it has like the frills at the bottom of it to make it look like a cupcake. And I was just like, "Oh dear lord!" <clears throat> that was a cute pet name. <laughs> it's like, oh cupcake, yeah. It's good, good explanation. Yeah. I like and it. Tying it into the yordle traps that have the cupcakes in it. It's like. Yeah. Well, you see the Easter egg in the first, like the very first scene, where the cupcakes on the balcony as they're going across. Oh, I missed that. Ah, yeah, I liked it. It was, it was good. Yeah. I was like, oh shit! That was already that was like instant hype. Like five seconds in, I was like, ooh, Easter egg already. Ryan's just throwing them at me, man. Like, but um, in the show, I thought the relationship came about a little quick, um, but I thought it was also handled really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a hit you over the face like we are we've we've seen it we're acknowledging it it's just like it's just a natural thing i like when mm-hmm. characters are natural 
no matter what their disposition is. I have to give Riot a big five stars for like handling a lot of delicate topics very well in this show. Like it could have gone really poorly. Um, like mental un- instability, LGBT uh, communities, and everything. Like they handled all of it very, very well. Um, and I am I am pleasantly surprised because uh, Riot Games history has not been great in. Uh, some of these topics uh so the show uh Come on, man this isn't their balancing team we're talking about Come on. <laughs> give, them, give them a little credit <laughs> that is fair that is fair uh but yeah no it, it there it's just so well done i have to applaud them for it mm-hmm. um I, it was also nice to take a little bit of attention away from jace and his um budding relationship with other council lady so that they're like no i was a little um concerned that it was going to be oh no it's a love triangle oh how many times have Mm. we seen this but it was just Mm. like no they went their own separate ways and they were kind of like okay with it they started to live their own separate lives and i'm like oh this is actually really refreshing the scene was a little awkward with jace because i wasn't really expecting it good for him and they handled it nicely, but I was also like, "Is is this the show I wanted?" <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me jump in there. That that whole scene also ties into the fact that all the storyboard writers and artists were all horny as hell. All right, <laughs> like they made a very attractive character and another very attractive character just have a sex scene, although they handled it very well. Um, my biggest gripe in all pacing of any of the acts was that scene. Um, Not because they're having sex. It's because like everything happens so quickly. Jace becomes part of the council. He's then learned already how to play politics with other council uh, men and women. Um, And then um, uh, everything that had to do with Mel and like her history. And you think that she's the one manipulating him, but then in the end, like he's the one that's fighting for his own endeavors and everything. But like this guy, like never really grew up in politics, right? Like he was, he was come from a family that made hammers, right? Like he's a middle-class hardworking blue collar type of dude. How in the world did he navigate this political uh, realm? Through Mel, get what of course. Wanted. I mean, maybe, but like, there was no explanation of it, right? Like, it, it was just a little too quick. Like, that was my biggest problem with any pacing was that everything happened so quickly. He shows off the Hextech Innovations of Progress Day, and then he just goes and uh, is able to navigate the political waters with expertise. That bothered me. Yeah. Well, you're. Both you and Chris initially kind of had the take that Jace was just being manipulated like front, left, and center. And I was <laughs> low-key triggered because I'm a Jace fanboy. And I was like, listen up, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Why are you attacking my boy Jace? Because here's what happened. This is just my take on it. And I agree, again, it's like a pacing thing. You kind of just have to take it as things are happening, like as it, you know, as it's going on. Um the first thing is he was I, again conflict the theme of conflict 
at first he's trying to show off Hextech. Heimer's like, don't fucking do it, man. And he's like, right there, it was like a, it was like a game time decision. He's like sitting there at the podium being like, man, I really want to fucking reveal this, but Heimerdinger is like giving me that fucking look, and he's like, God damn it. And he respects Heim, obviously, so he's like, alright, fine, I'm not gonna reveal it. He learns, though, right after that, that politics is a big deal. Because by doing that, he pissed off the two council people that were in attendance. Mel and, like, some other woman just, like, walked out pissed off, right? And then, of course, Mel starts to kind of get in his ear a little bit. I, Mel, I think, has an interest in him already at that point. And who knows, like, how long that's been going on behind the scenes. But I feel like it was just kind of Jace learning on his feet. He f soon finds out that whether you like it or not, you have to go through the council, the council to get shit done. Like you need, just like politics today, you need the fucking votes. <laughs> you need the votes to get shit done. So I think she's a major influence. And um, to size point, I think she helps him navigate is a huge influence on and, and assistance for helping him navigate the political realm. I'm but that Sai has with like the quickness of it, even though I yeah. thought the theater scene was really good and it made sense because it was like, all right, that was the shift, that was the nudge, like, hey, you got to play the game. Um, and that made the rest of it feel a little bit better for me. I will say Jace is a good character. I find him frustrating for me personally, but I think he's a good character and he's an endearing character because you know, I didn't think about it until you're bringing up the examples um, and you might get to this one later, but you know, when they storm the Silco's warehouse, mm -hmm. yep. it seems like everything Jace does, he believes in it so strongly that he just commits a hundred percent to a fault and then something bad happens and he realizes, oh, oh, I went, I went too far. I need to back up. And it's like everything, he just jumps in and makes a mistake yeah. and, then and then jumps in. He seems like he's a man of action, but at the same time, he, he almost unrealistically tries to have a perfect ending to everything. He tries to not have anything negative happen through his actions. It's I probably don't like him because I find that I do that as well. And <laughs> I don't like that critique. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we will get there. We'll get there soon. I didn't really have a point as much as some jokes that I need to make. Okay. <laughs> so... Everyone, everyone's all bent out of shape when, when Heimerdinger gets voted out of the council. We've all played League. We know how the fuck this works. He was just perma-fucking-banned from the council, boys. That's it. He was just perma-banned. He's all like, oh, no. Chase, don't do this. Chase, don't do this. I'm a basement-dwelling champ. I'll never see the rift again. <laughs> No, I want the band. <laughs> I want to see an edit of Arcane with old school Heimerdinger character model, man. <laughs> I want to see that nightmare fuel. <laughs> I was surprised he didn't drop a turd on him. 
Well, now he's on the fucking corner with Imagine Dragons, alright? <laughs> Singing Oh the Misery. Yo, that, um... It was an act two where they just had, like, that random music video for, like, a minute. I'm like, oh, we're really focusing on these, uh... <laughs> These band people aren't. Or Vi's like, walking down the street. She's like trugging along, and the band's there. Is that what you're talking about? It, it was a nice homage, and they've like, yeah. I like all the tracks they've done with it. But I'm like, oh, at the same time, that's kind of heavy handed. That was, that was like one of Riot Games' like, uh, recent Disney Marvel moments where you know, like, that scene is specifically Disney's hand, uh, in, in there. And like, um, for those of you who don't know what I'm referencing, if you watch like uh, Avengers Endgame and like um, Peter Parker or Spider-Man like takes Infinity Gauntlet or whatever and like Thanos is starting to walk up to him and then like all the female superheroes like gather together to protect Spider-Man. That scene was a little too Disney for me. That's what I'm referencing here. Um, it, it, <laughs> that was just Riot Games like, hey, we have like these B-list music celebrities who are a big fan of our game and it's in their contract that we have to put them in a scene right so uh <laughs> we make character models for them and everything and they look like they're a part of zon and i was just like i was vibing to the music because i i really liked that soundtrack uh or, or that theme song that they came up with so kudos to them but uh, fuck you, Imagine Dragons. You don't have to be in every single cinematic thing that Riot Games produces, alright? I loved you in all the world's things and whatnot. You got your own music video, hell, you played for one of the world's opening uh, um, ceremonies in, in Korea. Props to you guys. It's time for you to bow out, alright? Keep doing cool stuff. Keep doing cool stuff with Riot Games, but like, I don't need to see your faces in, in, in any more cinematics. Yeah, fuck you, Imagine Dragons. That's what I. That's what I'm talking about. So I give it to them. Fuck them. <laughs> you don't want to see your I'm face just around tired here. Tired of it, man. <laughs> like I saw it, and my eyes rolled before I even realized they were rolling. I was just like, of course they're in this. All right. Well, hopefully I didn't upset all five Heimer fans out there. But um. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> Dude, Tyler One's a pretty good Heimerdinger player. I'm gonna Is let he? you know that now. Yeah, degenerates, man. What Dude, he played in top lane. He was a pretty good Heim player. Oh, hey, man. Hey, hey, here's a dumb game you get to play before you win. <laughs> tower defense, my ass. He brings the tower to. To the offense. All right. So, at the end of the second act, Echo, who we don't know it's Echo yet, but basically Echo takes Vi, right? Vi has her kind of meet up with Jinx as short as it is. Right. I cried at the end of <laughs> act two when. Um, you know, Jinx and Vi, they get reunited. Vi kept her promise and found and ran to Powder when she left mm -hmm. the flare. 
and then Echo comes in and ruins it. It was going to be so good and happy. And when Jinx screams at the end, I, man, I just felt so bad for my girl. Oh, it hurt, dude. Really great scene, but I, I felt real bad. Uh, I was only slightly upset of um, the end of that scene because originally when Echo's character came into League of Legends, he had a love interest with Jinx, and they completely retconned that in the show Arcane. Um, there was no indication of that whatsoever, which was, I, I thought, a little odd. Um but I get the whole purpose of it, like um, them retconning a bunch of things in order for them to make the show the way they wanted it to play out, right? So I was okay and on board with that. Uh, I thought that one of the Firefly Lights or Lies or whatever their names are, uh, I thought one of them, uh, the one with this bushy brown hair, I thought it was um, Victor's assistant, Sky. <laughs> we know um, that's not the case now. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was because I was just like she recognized what that that hextech gem was, right? And I was just like, I was like, oh, I was like, it's someone who recognizes the tech, right? They knew the tech, they wanted to take the tech and secure it, uh, and you know, bring it back to people that were actually that actually know what they're doing with it, right? That was my thought, and I was just like, oh man, she's playing like two sides of like the whole conflict between Piltover and Zon, right? I was I was all aboard that. Uh, nope, that was not the case. Uh, also, rest in peace, Sky. Um, that was um, that was a scene. Uh, I will say I can't remember if that was season two or, or not season two. Uh, <laughs> act two or three now, but yeah. Um, X before sex, baby. Gracious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was uh, uh, that scene where um, Powder lifted the flare up. Uh, I think produced the most fan art i have ever seen on twitter everyone wanted to make wallpapers out of it uh, digital artists wanted to do their own rendition of it uh, i've seen so many so many people get tattoos of that scene on their arms mm. uh it's like all over tiktok um of people doing that and i was just commitment like, yeah, I will admit it was it was a very very well done scene. Um, Do you know? Uh, the, I mean, what's the reason behind that? Is it is it the kind of like emotional investment in that scene where it's like this is where like the sisters are uniting? Is that like why they're doing it? Or I I think that's why people were so drawn to that scene is just like uh, she was holding on to the one thing that she knew about family, right? And it was just like if you call for me, yeah. I'll come running, right? Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a fan of the show or if you have or a fan of the game or like history or anything that's like familial ties is like something that most people can uh, relate to. Uh, and so that that scene I know hit hard with a lot of people. Um, so I give a lot of kudos to it. that. That scene was very beautifully well animated and everything. Echo was a douche. Uh, I will I will credit that for ruining such a heartfelt family moment. Um, by ambushing them, <laughs> beating the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. It was. I, I will admit. I think they had the weakest ending out of all three acts. Like them just like separating the sisters and then running away with the tech. Yeah, I they left really everyone pissed. Ending. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if nothing else, let's move on to the to the final act here. Man, Act Three was a great ride. Um, so many awesome scenes and developments. A lot of really cool scenes. I think um, my absolute favorite uh, sequence happens in Act Three. Um, uh, the fight on the bridge. Take it away, <clears throat> my man. Take it away. My goodness. Dude, I found somebody who uploaded that clip on YouTube, and I, I, I just watched it on repeat. Like, a dozen times downloaded the song put that on a repeat what a great track that is all right boy we could go in real deep on this one for a while um but i will try to restrain myself whoever like wrote that song did a great job to like um tie in some league of legends like actual game elements into the song like talking about blowing up nexuses and things like that I'm like mm -hmm. oh, wow this person actually plays this game it's great and the beats mm -hmm. phenomenal what a great sound the samples of that song like track are great but the the way that sequence is animated where we get the standoff and the track comes in already that beat is great um and the sampling they chose for that, it, it pulls you in. And then when they change the character model as the the watch um, pendulums back and forth, swings back and forth, and then you get powder all of a sudden, oh, that hits so hard. And how she's so excited. It's a game, man. It's like takes them back. Yeah. Um, and, but then you get to see how Echo himself has grown up since then where he's no longer this little kid and he's able to best you but to jinx it was like still a game and it hurts and that when he realizes it but then at the same time it doesn't mean anything to jinx because of her mental state and then it just like blows everyone up <laughs> it's like but then plot armor comes in and just like well okay i guess there's really no um stakes here what what to jump off of what Chris just said, because I loved that scene. Everything about it was like <clears throat> what uh, anime fans love about like uh, certain fight scenes, right? Like it had the same like hype music, right? And then the animation was really good. It was it was a different type of animation than like ninety percent of all the all the other episodes, right? Um, and so it really yeah. drew your attention in, right? Um, what I love the most about that scene is because, um, what was it? Um, we know what Echo can do in the game, right? Like, we know where his limits are. We know what his abilities are. They haven't explored that yet. He doesn't know what a Z drive is. He doesn't know what any of, like, those things are. are. And yeah. the sheer I thought he was a mad lad. I was like, you're just running at this bitch straight on yeah. with a gun pointed at you. Like... <laughs> Right, and he like takes all these calculations, which is what like his whole theme of his character is in the game, but they haven't explained that yet. And you're seeing him just like take all these calculated risks from all of his past experiences that he's had in this same situation with Jinx before, which is the whole crux of Echo's character in the video game is that he's just able to rewind time 
and tackle the same problem over and over and over again until he figures out a solution, right? Well, he only has his previous experience, and the way that they showcase that in that scene without him having any of his abilities was so dope. I loved it. Like, I, I just thought it was so well done. And everyone else who, like, doesn't play the game, they're just like, dude, that's so cool. Like, he related, like, his past of, like, playing baseball or whatever it was, like, cops and robbers or whatever, or piltovers and, like, undercity people. Like, he took that history and, like, applied it, like, how she's going to fight him here. And I'm just like, oh, but you don't really know what this is about. Right, right. <laughs> and, like, that was so hype to me. Like, I, it, when I saw that he was going to fight her, I was like, there's no way that he can take her. There's no possible way. Like, he doesn't have any of his cool abilities or nifty tricks or gadgets, right? And, like, they showed the history of them playing that game. And I was like... Holy cow, this is so cool. It was so well done. I, I cannot rave enough about that scene in so many ways. It was just so well done, and I loved it. It was so cool. Uh, and the sheer fact that it started with the transition of him dropping his pocket watch and just swinging it back and forth mm. to be like the metronome that sets up the beat for that song. Like, the, uh, the design view that they took for that scene ticked every checkbox for like a hype scene for a hype fight scene and i loved it it was so cool and uh, although what chris said uh the plot armor that involves with that, <laughs> with that scene is so ridiculous man like everyone on that bridge dies and <laughs> caitlin gets a cut on her leg and echoes limping away when the bomb was literally next to him like the plot armor in that scene <laughs> so over the top but like extra thick yeah <laughs> it, was, it was a little too thick and, and you know what it was this act that made me realize the plot armor um and it took me out of the show just a little bit right because like act one i was like oh this is riot games they're gonna flesh out all these characters i don't know if there's gonna be a character death oh look there goes milo he, he's dead like the other guy he's dead too and i'm just like oh and then the father figure's gone and i'm just like oh they went all game of thrones red wedding here uh, like uh, they they just killed characters left and right and um then we fall into the same problem where all these characters are going to be in the league eventually so we know that they're going to be safe like there's they're mm -hmm. never going to um they're never going to die that's that's just the crux of it unless riot games decides to just go sideways and they're like well, we're killing this character off, and it's just going to stun every League person ever. Um, the plot armor yeah. was a little, little thick. It was a little too overtuned, overpowered, if you will. Like I, I think uh, the balancing team got a little bit of their hands onto the script writing here, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was that was. I loved everything about Act Three. It, it was such a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And one thing I one thing I brought up in kind of a side discussion with you guys, I no one is no one is is more anticipating their MMO more than I. I can't wait to see what their MMO is because I've been raving about it for so long for them to actually do it. Just because I know they have all the pieces in place. They they've done such a great job 
at developing the lore behind every character, where they're from. They have all these nations. They have all this great artwork of of their cities and, and everything. They literally have this entire world mapped out. It's beautiful. The only thing they need to do is just make it. They just need to make the MMO. And I agree the plot armor is extra thick in this scene. I think when they release the MMO, it would give them... Hopefully, like, the timeline aligns itself between the MMO and the next season, where it would give them the liberty to actually put some fear of losing these characters, because then they can say, okay, well, guess what? When the MMO starts, that's, like, the next timeline, right? And then they have free reign. It's like, then they can kill off whoever the fuck they want. And you know actually we could be on the, our edge of the seat being like oh shit like this character could actually die like it is it is a thing so i'm kind of hyped about that i hope that does tie in because yeah for those that played the game it, it was kind of like that it's like we know fucking echo's not gonna die here we know he's not gonna die like just entertain us right like whatever it's <laughs> it is what it is but that's that's definitely an option going forward and i hope they use it and and definitely, I'm I'm with you guys. That scene was fucking amazing. Like I I loved how they changed not just that scene, but there are scenes where they changed the art style for that occasion and kind of put new twists on scenes. It was it was really fucking good. But that one was that one was extra good. It was think, it was good. I think my second favorite scene was also in this act, and it was when Savika and Vi fight in the last drop mm. bar. I love that one as well. I, I will say that the fight scenes in Arcane were top tier. Like the, the fluidity of the action, every uh every hit was like heavy. Uh it was just so much fun to watch. But like that one in particular when there were cuts of like Vi like taking a shot uh in between like uh their fights, like her gauntlet breaking, like uh, that was it was the bar fight like was as chaotic as you wanted it to be. And um I'm pretty sure that Savika um, had some, uh, what is it, issues and blamed probably Vi for her losing her arm, which is why they, like, went at it for so long. Like, mm -hmm. that's why she had it, uh, when in all reality it was Jinx, uh, <laughs> uh, why she lost her arm. But, like, man, that was, I loved that fight scene. That was so much fun to watch. Yeah. And... This is going to kind of bring me up to one of my points where I loved, as someone that has played the game, that extra bit of hype when they actually implement the abilities of the champion in the show. That, it, that scene in particular, although it's like a very modest passive of eyes with the barrier, you actually see it in that scene that kind of like saves her ass a bit. Another scene when Vi goes into the fucking like morph gun mode, I lost my shit. I like that's I was like, oh my god, he's fucking doing it. That was I don't know. Was it was it prior to the nerf? I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> that fucking ranged ability with the gun. So good. Only me would like only someone not just me, only someone that played the game would like get that level of hype. When he, when they're actually using these abilities from the game and implementing them, 
it's a little extra level but yeah i think my yeah. favorite one of that that you brought up uh was actually jace when he was fighting with the hammer for the first time and he, like you saw the shield come up whenever uh, uh, uh when he was fighting whatever that chem robot thing was yeah. um and you saw the shield come up i was like oh wow they actually showed off his barrier there for a hot second because like i know it was going to be easy for them to animate going from range mode to hammer mode like that's that seems pretty yeah, simple. Yeah. But like they showcased that, and I was just like, "Oh snap, that's actually kind of cool!" Like, uh, and it wasn't overdone or cheesy, you know. Like they didn't flaunt it, uh, or like yeah, it wasn't it overly done. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was just enough for those people who knew the ability were just like, "Oh, that's badass!" But everybody mm -hmm. else was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I was surprised I, when they didn't have him like do his like hammer down move. Uh, <laughs> I I was just about to mention that. Yeah, with the with him actually like laying the hammer down on him, but that's okay. It was it was just enough. Like I said, it was like they didn't like overdo it. It was just enough to appease everyone. It was it was, it was solid. Yeah, it wasn't cheesy. It was it was still like classy a little bit, you know. Like it was just it was just enough for us fans to know. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. I loved everything. Everyone, except for like Caitlyn really got a, a a nice time of being able to showcase their kit a little bit in some way or fashion. Caitlin's just yeah. like, boy, once she got rid of her rifle, she ain't doing much at all. Dude, that's just like 80 carries since season seven. Uh, that's fair. They're just they're just handing in their gun, man. They're like, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. We're done fighting, man. <laughs> The uh, the tension in the final one of the final scenes at the uh, the tea party mm. when Jinx brings everyone together and like makes Vi make a decision. It's like that, that was very tense for me. Um, I kind of figured it was going to go the way it did and have Silco die because they're not going to kill Caitlyn. Um, but then when she sits in jinx's chair instead of powder's chair just like oh i feel so bad and then fires this super mega death rocket i'm like well jace isn't gonna he's just ulti man like come on everyone just... else is going to die uh, <laughs> oh, the plot to... armor's too thick we've been over this everyone like they're fine like they're... i want to no, rewind i want to rewind a little bit to what chris yeah. said about like getting the characters to that scene right um that shower scene where uh caitlin was like coming out of the shower and it's like steaming right and then like the fog lifts a little bit in there and you just see the red eyes of jinx in the background i remembered i was watching that i was like i think there's something there and then like you see the eyes and then it just snaps and then the episode ends i was just like oh shit this next episode is just gonna go off the rails so fast um I loved, I loved the tension there where Jinx was just like losing it just more and more and more. Uh, and like she got replaced by someone else that was blue haired, you know, and like she's just losing her shit. Uh, and she was teetering closer and closer to the edge. I loved everything about that. Like they, they showcased it very well. Um, but that also reminds me of like all the political games like escalating to the point where Jace um because we were talking about the characters getting to that tea party scene jace was gonna cut that deal with silco right like silco was so close to achieving 
uh, his and Vander's dream of Zaun becoming its own independent nation away from Piltover. And Jace was just like, fuck it, whatever. Like, this is your deal. Just never cross the bridge ever again. Do not ever come back to Piltover or whatever. Don't mess with our business. This and that. And give me jinx. Um, and the the whole drama about uh, whether or not Silco would hand over jinx to um, Piltover was very interesting the how he was playing it out in the uh, tea party he was like I was never gonna give you uh, over to them right like he was still being a protective father figure um, quote unquote uh, to to jinx like it was just it was just so well written that all like everything came to a peak and it all came down to a tea party like it was it, like uh, examining it from zoomed out it was just like this whole crux of everything came together at a tea party was just a little weird or not weird but it was well done but it, to me it was like just off-putting enough that it like you you question like oh man this is a little odd like there's something mad going on here uh and i loved i love the uh creative direction that they were going there it was an an interesting decision to end with that sort of tea party confrontation and i have those two characters and by two i mean silco and vi there um because by the end of or within act three Silco is kind of a mirror to what Vi was in Act 1. Act 1, Powder messes up. Vi's like, it's Powder. It's okay. It's whatever. You know, I'll handle it. And in Act 3, Jinx messes up. And Silco is like, it's Jinx. Whatever. I'll handle it. And Jinx will handle it. And in both, everyone's just like, ah, yeah, sure, whatever. Jinx will handle it. Well, everything Jinx does messes up. Anything Powder does messes up because she's a Jinx. Um, so then when you have the two characters facing off to try and convince Jinx, who's really more loyal to her in a way, like they both were, you know. What a if it had been any other show, I don't know which way it would have really gone. The way they tied it up with Offing Silco um made sense for the narrative that they're wanting to promote. But like the relationship they had was kind of like strangely dependent on one another definitely ended up being a a father daughter sort of thing um right he definitely was very protective of her and it was like a mirror of um vander and the relationship he had with the girls before um and i do think silco recognized that when he went to go like you know talk to vander near the end about it before Jinx kidnapped him. Um, and I think that's when he finally, like, 
understood where Vander had been coming from, and it took him years to even get to the same place. That was one of the things that made Soko such a great character to me by the end. It's like, wow, he's he grows a lot, but it's still so super flawed, as is Jinx. Um, mm. And they had some cute scenes, you know, like when she helps him with his medicine and, you know, misses on purpose to torture him. It's like weird dynamics but at the same time he's always super protective and just kind of lets her do her own thing and be independent like there's definitely a lot of caring there but also a lot of selfishness of the characters as individuals as well and kind of like what was driving them you yeah. can you, you can tell <clears throat> that she um had more ties to Silco than to Vander. Um, because like the entire act three, she was trying to develop a weapon, right? For Silco, uh, using the Hextech, uh, technology in order to threaten, uh, Piltover. Um, and the sheer fact that she modeled her weapon after the, um, fish that Silco's original uh lair was it was remember it was underground and you could see like yeah. the uh the huge uh, fish out there uh mm -hmm. where Silco and Singe were still coming up with what is it glimmer or shimmer yeah. shimmer um he was explaining to the guy that they were feeding that vial to that like oh these like you would never the people above don't even see them you would never know they exist unless you right. were down here yeah um, but like the sheer fact that she modeled the Hextech weapon after the fish that like Soko was like, I think kind of a fan of, right? Like who would make their lair at the bottom of the river, uh, uh, uh to, in order to see like the sea creatures down there, like it was fish bones. Uh, that was, that was her rocket launcher. And the sheer fact that the only way to activate it, you have to put like the Hextech crystal in its eye and it had only one eye kind of similar to like Silco, right? There's a lot of um, visual representation of Silco with like the weapon that she created, um, which inevitably was, she was the weapon that Silco created, you know, like it was, it was kind of like a little bit back and forth. Uh, but uh, when Silco um, was killed and she just goes and takes the weapon that, uh, she was going to gift him and uses it. Uh, it was a really weird, like, uh, coming around full circle. Uh, uh, and I remember while I was watching it, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, in the game, she's always had the rocket launcher, right? And we've never seen it before. And, like, finally seeing it, you were just like, oh, oh, my God. And um, seeing, like, how much of Silco was, like, in that weapon was a, a nice nod uh, hmm. to uh, to like the the connection that she had with him, which was surprising. Yeah, it was. It definitely was a nice tie-in. And the way it ends, it leaves most of us wanting more because you know we don't. Regardless of how thick the plot armor is, we definitely want to see what's coming next. It's it definitely leaves it on a epic cliffhanger on on what's going to happen. Is season two like all right? The all right, these are my predictions. Speculation time. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. speculation time. I like it. Rocket's going to hit most of the council. 
um, is going to be dead. Mel better survive. I mean, I could see strong, like, Jace motivation if she died. But I hope she survives. Um, and then, oh, all of a sudden, Piltover, it's essentially leaderless. And so Nox is going to come in being like... Mm. I can see being like, revenge for my daughter's death. Or like, we want to claim all this stuff for Noxus. Um, like, we've got a right to it. Let me jump in here real quick, because I find that this is kind of interesting. I don't ever recall there being any conflict. I almost feel like Piltover is like Switzerland. Yes. They're not really, like, at war with anyone. Like, they have, like, Zaun to deal with, like, their own, like, kind of internal shit. But the real con, like, Noxus is typically, they've got a big beef with Demacia. Like, they're constantly fighting with Demacia. They also tried to invade Ionia, which is whole Kled's thing. If you've ever loved Kled, just story time with Kled. Like, just listen to all Kled's lines. It's great. He, personally like invaded ionia and like that that's their whole thing but i've never heard of any conflict between like noxus and piltover i think they're just kind of by themselves you know what i mean so i, I don't know because, i think it's because noxus uh, their location of like uh of their country on their continent is dependent on trade with piltover to survive uh we need their fucking wine is what we need yeah, if I may quote a fantastic line from this series, one of the console members is like, <laughs> the next shipment of wine for Noxus is going to be vinegar. Fuck no, you don't want that. Then you will have war, motherfucker. Don't you dare. You best have that wine on time. But no, I... What, what else were you speculating to, to occur next? Oh, I just think that's going to be like a... It would be a good catalyst to then bring in a slew of other characters and other things from the world. Uh, because you brought that up, uh, it made me realize that, like, I think it's smart for Riot Games to introduce, uh, of all of all stories to do an animation of, uh, the story of Vi and Jinx, because it's the crux of, like, Piltover and Zon, right? And with them discovering Hextech gates and portals and whatnot, that allows them to expand the world very quickly because that establishes fast travel in some way, shape, or form in their universe, uh, which will, now that Noxus has been introduced, of course, Demacia is going to come right after, but they can also, from here, introduce maybe Ionia uh, as its own uh, kind of story because there's a bunch of like big fan-favorite characters over there. Um uh, because of like all the trade uh, that's done through Piltover, right? Piltover is going to be that huge trade hub. So from here, it's smart for them to expand their universe in uh, in, in their animated world uh, through Piltover. Because I remember when I was first seeing trailers for this, I was like, why? Of all characters, Vi and Jinx. Like, there's a lot more bigger fan base characters out there. Like. I'm pretty sure if they made a show about Lux and sold merch, they would have Stop their it. MMO Stop out. it. Stop it. They Don't have, suggest it. Hey, hey, hey. They would have their <laughs> MMO out two times faster because of all the merch sales. You know this to be true. And I only bring this up because as of the most recent skin set that was released, there's yet another Lux skin. Of course and there is. Of course there is. There is a prestige Lux skin that you can only get if you buy the battle pass and grind games out. The sheer amount of revenue that they are making from this is fueling your MMO. 
you'll have to hate that there's another Lux skin, but you also have to accept it. It's such a painful truth. I would want nothing more in the MMO for them to just decapitate Lux. I would love <laughs> to see it. But then their moneymaker's gone, and I can't, I can't see it happen, and it pisses me off. That's when they introduce a new Ari skin. Damn it. That's true. Yeah. They have so for whatever much- reason, though, as hot as Ari is, she's not... Like, Lux is, like, literally the face of Riot. Not maybe the literal face, but, like, she's... Of the female characters, she is, like, the one that is just driven skin sales, for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know, but... I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and I know you hate me for saying this, but in Asian countries, Ari is the fastest-selling uh... character, and that is the biggest fan base, therefore it has the most money, therefore it has... The most potential revenue, and they're gonna play through that. We've had this. They covet the fucking blonde hair and blue eyes of Lux. I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, that's why I'm to my woman. I mean, (laughs) so yeah, I think you know the story for Piltover. You've made it, Sai. You (laughs) and of course Ziggs has to show up at some point soon. Yes. Bombs are An interesting I'm point like is perhaps that RK might be more character focused though. Instead of like nations at war, they might be very isolated on character stories. Which might be a safe bet because then they don't really have to go into all that shit. But ju- mm-hmm. just a thought, you know, like they could really, I keep bringing up the whole MMO thing and having like full reign on what they do. They could take it any direction they want really, you know. Like you said, Thank like you. we 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 know from the lore that we know now, Noxus might not have a beef with Piltover, but maybe they fucking do. You know, in the event if Mel dies and her mom gets pissed, her mom's there. Maybe she doesn't die. I don't know. Whatever the fuck happens, you know. Maybe Noxus might. just pissed off. It doesn't take a lot to piss off Noxus. So. <laughs> Yeah, the wind, can blow, <laughs> the wind can blow in the wrong direction and they would get upsetty uh, spaghetti. Because to war, motherfuckers, let's go. Strength <laughs> um, above all. <laughs> I, I want to throw in a small caveat to what uh, Chris is uh, expecting uh, or like predictions of like what the next season is going to be like because I think it's going to play out similar to that, but I think the way that Jace survives because they haven't panned over back to Victor in a bit and he's been dabbling a little bit too much with his little Hextech core, mm-hmm. he somehow shields one or two people in that council room um, with his Hextech uh, core abilities in some way, shape, or form because he does have a shield uh, in the game, and I'm assuming that that's going to somehow protect uh, one or two specific individuals in there. Um, uh, and that's that's where I'm hedging my bet. Um I do think that someone from Noxus dies and that's how uh, things are going to get propelled uh, in the next season with the expansion of like Noxus uh, lore in there. Um, And I think like, as, um, as was said and mentioned before, uh, Piltover is going to be a bit like Switzerland. And I feel like Demacia is going to come in and be like, all right, let's, let's like lay down the terms here of like, what's going to keep these hex tech gates going because it's, necessary for every country's economy right um and i think i think that's how the next season's gonna sort of pan out um and i i need to throw some mad respect on my boy victor all right like i i 
I wasn't a fan of Jace uh, in the show, um, but Victor became very endearing for his motivations as to why he wanted to get into Hextech. Like, he's like, I want to better everybody's lives. And that is true. He wanted to better, like, you know, the common people. But at the same time, like, he's also trying to save his own ass, you know? Like, I think mm. that is the strongest motivation. Like, that was the strongest internal motivation that I've seen out of any character in the show. Um, and he's like, Jace, I don't care what's going on with the council. He's like, we did this, you know, to, like, save lives and better people's lives. And Jace is like, I'll get to that. And Victor's just like, okay, so you're going to get back to saving my life? Like, question mark? Um, and well, to be fair, he didn't know that Victor was... Well, well in, until like it was critical until it was like a critical point and then it was like all this shit going on yeah and then like the, the whole dynamic between him and uh, uh jason victor uh with like jace it, it, like looking down at the people from zon and like victor's like those are my people that's like where i came from and jace was just like oh oh shit like i think their relationship had a lot more nuance in it and it was a lot more fun to watch it play out but people aren't a big fan of it because it wasn't really flashy right like it wasn't like laid out there but for all of us who like know the characters and know the game it's like this is going to turn sideways at some point you know he's going he's going to become obsessed with the glorious revolution of hextech and like how to and i think that that is where I want to speculate as to what's going to happen in season two is like, there's going to be a difference in how they want to incorporate hex tech for uh, the people of Piltover and Victor is going to do his own thing. And he's going to become the quote unquote villain uh, for the counterpart of Jace. And I think that is going to spell for a really cool uh, storyline because yeah, we have the Vi and Jinx arc, ending almost right like it's come to a climax already uh mm -hmm. she the the rest of like jinx's story is like she's gonna go into hiding and goes and vandalizes parts of piltover and caitlin and vi are gonna chase her buddy cop tom and jerry kind of style um i think the next big arc is going to be uh the differences of Hextech, and it's gonna be yeah. between victor and jace and i think that's gonna be so fucking cool when that happens yeah. That would be good. The Iron Man out in Piltover. Like, that's going to be awesome. I like that idea. Man, yeah. that makes me really excited to see what's on the horizon because that would be incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the two fathers of Hextech going at it, you know? Like, that's, mm -hmm. I think that's such a cool storyline. And I just, I, I am dying to know what happens. Like, after watching it all this week, just like in the background, I was like, I need the next season. Like, I need it. Like, don't make me wait six years. I'll wait two. I'll wait two if you can keep the production values where it's at. It very well happened, because, I mean, as it left off with Victor, he's starting to kind of stabilize himself, and he, you certainly see the subtle conflict already. You know, like you said, Victor wants to shit now. You know, he... He doesn't want to wait for anything. And He's dying. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, really, it's, there's that. I mean, of course, they'll probably have multiple story arcs going on and whatever they decide to do. And it's all going to be, you know, very much anticipated going to the, going into the second season. 
But any last words, gents, before we wrap this up? It's been a great discussion. I'll give it a 98. That's fair, sir. High ranking. I'll, I'll give it an A, not an A+. And the only thing that they can do to redeem this is justice for my boy Heimerdinger. I need to see him oh. actually take action in the show. Herman Bang, get the fuck out of here. One <laughs> <laughs> of five Heimer fans I offended, get out of here. <laughs> he, develops, he develops Echo's ability to go back in time. Or at least that's what they're insinuating. What more do you want? That's going to be the other uh, point of Hextech is Heimerdinger and Echo. And they're going to develop their own little faction. Perma band, never to be seen in the lobby again. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, drop us a like, subscribe. We'll be back for more juicy content. And until the next one, game on.